I've been working on preparing it, but the Holy Spirit may be changing it. So I'm just letting you know, just come Thursday, it's going to be the class, or it's going to be something, but it's going to be good, regardless of what it is. Amen? Amen. But, <coughs> open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12 this morning. We're starting a series for the new year. I want to tell you a story real quick about a man named George Mueller. George Mueller is a man who was born in the early 1800s. His mother died when he was an infant. His father kept him with his siblings alive. And about age 14, he was in jail for stealing tax dollars from his local government. Young 14-year-old. He's in jail at 14, and he gets out because it was only a juvenile thing. He ends up at 15 years old getting saved at a prayer meeting. And the story goes he had two shillings in his pocket, like two pennies. And he leaves the prayer meeting, and he's walking down the street, and the Lord puts a vision in his heart to have orphanages in London, England. Now, this man's from Prussia, and he's supposed to have an orphanage in London, England. And he has no idea how he's going to do it, and he has two shillings in his pocket. So he begins praying, and he begins praying. And this man never, ever, ever once asked anyone for money. He never made his financial needs public ever. But prayed in over the course of his life $2.6 million. Had five orphanages for fully funded feeding kids and everything that housed over 10,000 children. Also went on to open 117 Christian schools to bring education to over 100,000 kids that would never have had education in poor areas in England. All through prayer. That this man had two shillings and a vision. Somebody say two pennies and a vision. And this man went to his knees and prayed. And God did a work in his life and through his life that was far beyond anything he could have hoped or imagined. <coughs> and I'm here to tell you this morning that the God we serve has a plan for your life that is far greater and more complex and more enormous than you could ever possibly imagine. And it does not matter what's in your pocket. It does not matter what you have right now. God is choosing you because of the plan that he has for your life, not because of what you have in your pocket. Not because of what you have in your resources. He is choosing you because of who you are. The series for this month is going to be called Take the Land. And today is called The Promise. How many of you know that God's got a promise for your life? You know that, right? You're sure. You've got to be sure that you know He's got promises for your life. It's 2024, and everybody's got their New Year's resolutions. Everybody's setting goals. Everybody's joining a gym. Now, you probably ain't going to be in it by February, but you're joining a thing. Huh? My wife said she rebuked that. I'm just, I'm just saying what normally happens. Babe. I, I agree. I rebuke it, too, but just saying. <coughs> but I love seeing the goals that are accomplished and people setting them out there, but, but how much easier would it be to set a goal if you were guaranteed to hit it, right? If you knew for a fact, I'm going to accomplish this if I set it out, you, you would do it. Well, I want to let you know that's the God we serve. He has things for us to do that are going to happen. As long as I'm walking in obedience in, in, with his word, it's going to happen. But we don't live that way. We don't act and we don't think that way. And so I'm, this morning, we're going to be getting into a series over the next weeks about take the land, that there is a promised land. There is a there is a calling and a purpose on your life that God has set up for you that we have to walk in and take. 
But here what you got to understand is in you taking that promise is your family's salvation, your children's salvation, your neighborhood's salvation, and a mighty work of the kingdom being done through your life. And most people just don't see themselves as being possible to have such a calling and such a gifting. Amen? So open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to look at a guy named Abram who becomes Abraham. Now, Genesis 12, verse 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abram is minding his own business. Say, minding his own business. At this point in time, Abram is 75 years old, and he does not have any children. His wife, Sarah, is barren. They have no children. He's 75 years old. And yet God gives him this promise here that I'm going to make you a great nation. Well, back then, it's kind of hard to become a great nation if you're not even a daddy. And so God is telling him, you're going to be a great nation. That would be somewhat of the equivalent of when God told a long-haired, dope-smoking hippie over 50 years ago, you're going to pastor a bunch of churches. It'd be like, that don't make any sense. But I'm, I serve a God that likes to do things that don't make any sense. And so Abram gets this call that you're going to be a great nation. And, and a lot of times what I think we do is we get the same thing. We give our lives to the Lord, and God gives us a vision for what he wants to do with our lives. You may say, well, Pastor Chris, I ain't never had no vision. Well, then I want to know if you've met him. Because he always will illuminate what he's calling you to do as you know him. And as you grow and you walk and you spend time, he shows you what you want you to do. <coughs> Forgive me, my lungs ain't cooperating today. But what we have here is Abram gets this call from God. And, and we're going to look at what he has to do because, yes, this is a promise. But this promise has some stuff that it comes with. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like if you wake up on Christmas morning and somebody gives you a puppy. That puppy is cute, but that puppy comes with some stuff. You know what I'm saying? It comes with a mess if you don't if you don't train it. It comes with noise if you don't train it. It comes with it's a puppy. It's it's just a puppy, and, and, and it comes with a lot of stuff. You don't deal with it, right? So the first thing I want to look at this morning, I'll pull up three things, but we're going to get into some some good stuff here. The first one, look at verse one again. Now the Lord said to Abram, "Get out of your country, from your family." And from your father's house to a land that I will show you. The first thing this promise or this plan comes with is his plan comes with a cost. It comes with a cost. Go back to verse 1 for me. Put it up again. The Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. Now, I need to break this down for you. From your country. This is where he grew up. It's his neighborhood. It's his people. It's his memories. But not only is it his country, it's from his family. This is where his family has grown up. This is where his generations before him came up and, and, and grew up. And, and like back then, like a little different than we do now, they had landmarks. And so that would be where great-grandpa married great-grandma, you know, and they lived a lot longer back then. So several hundred years ago, their histories were much more connected. So <coughs> get out your country and your family, but from your father's house. Now, this is, this is important. Because families were, were significantly more connected back then than they are now. 
For example, my parents live in Violet, Louisiana. I live in Violet, Louisiana, but we ain't close. Like, I'm a good 10 minutes from my mama's house. My brother lives in Chalmette. He's 10, 15 minutes from me. And then my other brother lives in Slidell for some reason. He lives all the way on the north shore of the lake. He's 45 minutes from my house. Yet, in our culture, in America today, our family's close. You know what I mean? Because we all... 30 minutes, we could be at the same place. We go to church together every Sunday morning. Why? Because we're still close together. But here, if, if years ago I was asked if I wanted to pastor a church in Orlando, Florida, in 2018, you want to go pastor a church in Orlando? And I was like, I don't like Mickey Mouse. You know, I ain't going to Orlando. That would be probably me nuts. But one of the first things that came to mind when I talked to my brothers about it was, well, I guess we're all moving to Orlando. And I'm like, well, no, not if God ain't calling you. And one of them says, well, God going to have to tell me he ain't. Because we're so used to being together. At this time, y'all, the tents were next to each other. In some cases, if they built an actual house, you didn't leave. When you got married, you just built another room. So, so everybody is living together. They're living close together, and you got to leave your father's house to a land I will show you. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at our society today, Getting disconnected from family, getting disconnected from who you have known and grown up with is almost a, a sin. It's almost like a deal breaker, especially in the South. Up North is different. We move all the time. Down here, you better have a real good reason to make a whole lot of money if you're moving away from Grandma. Like, and if you make a whole lot of money, you better let Grandma know by sending her something. Because you moved away, you better pay a monthly note to satisfy the fact that you ain't there no more. <laughs> but... It's a big deal when you move away. But what God is saying here is I'm calling you to do something, and it's going to cost you. And I, I have to say this, that one of the reasons I believe through studying and research that and a lot of the writers say this, why Abram had to leave to follow the calling God had in his life is because at this point in time, Abram is living amongst people who are idolaters. There are many false gods right now because Jehovah has not revealed himself yet in a mighty way since Noah's flood. So, so Abram is living among people who have false gods. How many of you know it's really hard to serve Jesus when you're surrounded by a bunch of people serving other gods? And so he's saying you got to leave because what I'm calling you to do is going to take focus and it's going to take intentionality and it's going to take dedication. And if you're surrounded by a bunch of people distracting you with their idols, that's going to be a problem. And so he says... Get out of your country, out of your family, and away from your father's house. God is calling us to live a life that will have sacrifice involved in it. You go, well, I don't like where this message is going. I'm sorry, I didn't write it. He did. But the point is, is that I want to do what God has called me to do. And over the course of my life, doing what God has called me to do has cost me relationships. It has cost me opportunities. It has cost me jobs making more money. It has cost me things that I, Chris, would have liked to do that I am not doing because I'm obeying the call of God all my life. And for some reason, there's this, this idea that has crept into church today, especially in younger people, that everything God calls me to do is going to make me blessed and happy and I'm going to enjoy the whole process. Where God is not going to call me to, to not, listen carefully, God's not going to call me to not live in the house I want to live in. 
God's not going to call me to live in a city I don't want to live in. God's not going to call me to not have my kid in all-star baseball this year. God's not going to ask me to do that. Why would he ever? Because this is what God wants me to do. Because this is what a godly family looks like. No, this is what a godly family looks like when I do what it says when he tells me to do it. That's what a godly family is. And what we got to remember is that the cost of your calling is different than the cost of mine. It's different. And what we do is we compare and we contrast and we say, oh, well, you know, Pastor Chris, he's, he's just, he's called to, to be a pastor. So that's why he's got to sacrifice time and, and do that stuff. But I don't have to sacrifice time because I ain't called to be a pastor. No, see God, he'll tell you what the cost is. But please hear me out. The idea that your calling and your purpose doesn't have a, a cost is false. The promise that God has on your life has a cost attached to it. The second thing we see <coughs> is that his plan requires his power. His plan requires his power. Back to verse 1, read verse 1 and verse 2. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Check this out. Ready? Verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Do me a favor and point to the spot in there that Abraham does anything. I'm, spoiler alert. It doesn't. There's nothing in there that says Abram does anything. God is saying, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Me, God will. It's not him. Pastor Chris, God is calling me to lose 10 pounds. No, he ain't. He's telling you to be a good steward of your body because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Stop eating McDonald's, right? That's, that's, that, that is not God calling you, right? That don't require God. That requires discipline. A lot of people saying God called me to do things that God's not. He done told us to do it in his word, and we just don't want to be disciplined about it. No, when God calls you to do something, you're going to reach. The, you've heard me say this before. Knowledge, faith doesn't begin till knowledge ends. So he will call you to something. And as you go to figure it out, you're going to reach the end of your ability to figure it out. And God's still going to call you to take a step. That's when you know it's him. But, but God, I don't know how that's going to work. Exactly. That's the whole point, is to get us to a place where we cannot operate without his ability, without his power. Because here's the secret. Nobody wants or needs what you have anyway. They want and need what he has, which is why God has to get us to a place where we realize we don't have it. So that we can rely on him that's where his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. His plan requires his power. And there are so many people in church right now that they're, they're playing not to lose. Last year in the NFL playoffs, the Los Angeles Chargers played the Jacksonville Jaguars. And at the end of the first half, I'm pretty sure the score was 27 to 7. 27 to 3. The Chargers were up by 24 points 
They had completely dominated the first half of football. Turnovers like crazy, and it was like a bloodbath. And I'm in a group message with a bunch of guys, because I personally don't trust quarterbacks for the Chargers. That's, that's my, my, my football opinion, right? But we're talking, and I'm blown away because I'm like, I did not see this coming. This is crazy. And the second half came out, and the Chargers played not to lose. They didn't play to win. They, play, they played safe. They played conventional. They played conservative. They wanted to run the clock out. While the Jaguars had no choice but to go bombs away and go all out. And who won the game? Jacksonville won the game on the last second field goal. Why? Because they played to There were so many Christians who were going to say, well, well, I, I, I want to serve the Lord, and I want to have the calling and purpose and plans in my life, but, but uh, I don't want my kids to grow up and, and have the upbringing that I had where mom and dad worked all the time, so I'm not going to, gonna, no, I can't do, I can't go to group, I can't go to group, I can't do a dad group because I might miss a soccer practice. I might miss uh, a night at dancing practice. Please notice I'm saying practice, right? I was doing a life group and I had a daddy tell me he couldn't come to life group for the next eight weeks because he had to go to practice. I'm like, dog, it's practice. P-R-A-C-T-I-C-E, practice. Not the games. I get making the games. But you're going to sacrifice your growth in Christ for practice. Help me, Jesus. But we get in this spot where ah, I don't want to get outside of what's comfortable. I don't want to get outside of what's predictable. I don't want to get outside of what I can control. Why is this generation of young people so riddled with anxiety? It's because they're riddled with the need to be in control. And if we can realize that the best place we can ever be is out of control, but in his control, I don't need to be anxious and to be expectant because if God's bringing me to it, he's going to bring me through it and he's going to work everything together for my good because I'm called according to his purpose. But I don't want to get out the boat. I don't want to rock the situation. Last time I checked, Nobody in the Bible and nobody in church history did anything worth remembering from a place of comfort. Nobody did. Like, I haven't. When I look back at some of the most, like, high points of my walk with God, none of them came while I was, like, at the beach on the balcony drinking coffee. None of them came while I was sitting in a deer stand shooting a 10-point. No, it didn't happen. It came on days like today when I'm tired from breathing. Just breathing. It came from days when Caitlin and I are arguing because the kids are sick and we're fighting back and forth and all kind of chaos. And then I got to find a way to come show up and preach. And then the Holy Spirit falls and I start prophesying on people. Like it's, it's those moments when it's outside of my comfort. It's outside of what's easy. Why? Because he wants the glory. He wants his power made known. I want to encourage you this year. Find some way to get uncomfortable. In America, that's hard. Because our life is built around comfort. But find a way to do it. Find a way to get uncomfortable. Because his plan requires his power. Look at <coughs> Hebrews 11, verse 8. Can you do me a favor real quick, Joanne? Can you put this in New Living? Can you change that real quick? Don't worry about it, I'll just read it. I want you to hear it in New Living real quick. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God 
when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was a foreigner, living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob. See, you gotta, you, you've got to catch this. That's why I'm going to put it up in a second. Not only did Abram leave his father's land by faith, not know where he was going, then when he got there, he lived by faith because he was a foreigner. He lived there in tents. And his sons and his grandsons did. When you establish a culture of living the way he wants you to live, a life by faith, your kids will do it and your grandkids will do it. Hear me out. I want my children successful. I don't want my kids living in poverty. I want them educated. I want them in good families. I want them in heaven more. I need them to see me live a life built on faith and live a life built on trusting God, following him, so that when they grow up, they do it. And yes, they may have to take some bold steps. That means my daughter might have to go pastor a church or do a ministry across the country, and I may not like it, but I want her to do it because I want her to be who God's called her to be. But when I set the standard, they will follow. Amen? Go to verse 9. You got to see it. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. The best thing you could ever do for your children is show them how to live a life that requires the power of God. The best thing you could ever do. The first point is that his plan has a cost. The second one is his plan requires his power and the third one is his plan is bigger than you realize it's bigger than you realize verse 3 Genesis 12 verse 3 <coughs> I will bless those who bless you and will curse him who curses you this still applies today to the nation of Israel in case you were curious and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Y'all, think about this for a second. Abram wants a son. God has plans for a nation. Abram wants a son. God had plans for a nation. I say this all the time. I just wanted to pastor the church in Shalmet in the building on Parish Road. That's what I wanted to do. And I think God has laughed at me for the last three and a half years. But that's what I wanted. But his plan is bigger than you realize. His plan reaches further than you think it can. It goes on longer than you think it can. It will accomplish more than you think it can. Why? Because it's not about you. It's not about me. First Corinthians chapter 2 says that no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Do you realize that it hasn't even been seen 
it hasn't even been heard the things that he implant, he plans on doing. But I don't know about you. I don't feel like we see a lot of that. Right? Why? Why do we see a lot of that? Because people won't pay the cost and won't live a life that requires anxiety. That's why we don't see this. That's why we don't see people like George Mueller who had two shillings in his pocket and planted 117 schools. We don't, we don't see those things all the time because for every one George Mueller, there's a, there's a thousand people who go to church two, three times a month, drop some money in and say, thank you, Jesus, I'm going to heaven. Some glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. And, and, we, and we just live our lives focused on, I just want to be safe from hell, and I don't want to rock the boat, and I want to have a good little American Western family and post good posts on Facebook when there are people next to us across the street and by us at work dying going straight to hell so their children and their grandchildren will unless somebody steps up in the power of God and brings a difference into their lives. Now, let me ask you something. I pick up the phone, and I call you tomorrow morning. Say, look, today at 3 p.m., be at the airport, bags packed, we're going to the Bahamas for a week. Everything's been paid for, the resort's paid for, your flight's paid for, the food's paid for, everything is paid for. You just have to be packed and at the airport. But I don't send you a confirmation number, I don't send you a hotel name. I got your boarding pass. I just need you to show up at the airport for three. What y'all doing? See, some I see you at the airport. Some of y'all are like, oh, I don't know. Uh, what's this hotel look like? What's the food like? What's the star rating on the condo we're going to stay in? What's the crime like in the area? We fly in Southwest, United, Delta, American. What's my seat like? What's the beverages they have on the flights? What excursions? They also have all kind of questions, right? So don't lie. Some of y'all are laughing because you 100% know you ain't meet me at the airport at 3 p.m. if you don't have some of that stuff answered. My wife ain't. I'm her husband. And she, wait, hold on. But it's the Bahamas. I will show up to the airport with a pack pack. You ain't even got to tell me where we going. Just say be at the airport for three. You ain't got to tell me the weather. I'll pack for both, babe. I ain't worried. Cold and hot. I like it cold, so I can kind of wear the same stuff both places. We good. One jacket. I'm fine. But if you really believed me, you'd go home. You'd be packing. You'd be setting up work. You'd be setting who's going to come feed the dog. You'd be talking about who's going to take care of this, who's going to take it. You would be doing all kind of preparations because even though you didn't have an idea of where you were going, you didn't have an idea of when you were going to get there, you had no clue. All you knew is that somebody you trusted gave you a promise. You would be acting differently because of the promise that was given. Well, God has given us a promise. Why aren't we living like we trust it? Why aren't we living like we trust it? See, can you see 
a hundred people in this room worshiping Jesus. Can you see it? Because if you can, why aren't we living like it? Can you see wheelchairs piled up in the corner? If you can see it, why aren't we living like it? Pastor Chris, I don't know how to live like it. That's where I ask me. I'll tell you how to do that. But see, we, we, we see the promises of God, and we hear about the promises of God, but there's this disconnect between us walking in them from where we are. And we a lot of times think the disconnect is, oh, it's my job, oh, it's my, I got little kids at home, or it's this. No, no, it's not. It's you don't trust that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. That's what it comes down to. How many of you believe that you can go to your workplace this week and speak in the prophetic and see that's right? If you believe that that would happen, how would you live? If you knew that God was going to call you to the mission field to go preach in another country, how would you live? If you knew that you were going to go pastor churches, how would you live? How would you act? Abraham had no clue where he was going. He had no idea what was happening. He heard the voice of God that he had never heard before. He didn't grow up in church. This was his first impression. I'm going to make you a great nation. I ain't got a kid. Never asked. I'm going to make you a great nation. And Abraham believed him, packed everything up, and moved. Lord, is there five people like that? That can say, Lord, I'm in. I'll do what it takes. I'll go where I got to go. I'll pay the cost. I'll put myself in a place that requires your power and expect that it's bigger than I can possibly imagine. Because you see, Christian life worth living? Is just going to live normal lives with fire in them? I'm going to go to my job. Work my kids. Work my and walk around. I'm not belittling the eternal blessing of loving Jesus. I ain't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not belittling it. What I'm saying is there's got to be more of it. There's got to be more than that. Well, I'm telling you, there is more than that. There is more than that, but you've got to see it. You've got to put yourself in a position to recognize that God can do more through me than I can think, hope, or imagine, according to his power at work within us. Ephesians 3.20, for now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever think, hope, or imagine. To him be the glory. Why? He's looking for somebody to say, I'll be an Abraham. In 2023, 2024, I will step out. I will go where he's calling me to go. I will say what he's calling me to say. I will do what he's called. No, I don't necessarily like the cost, but the cost is worth it. No, it's scary. I can't do it of myself. But if I have his power, I know I can do it. And when I pay the cost and I have his power, the results are greater than I could possibly ever imagine. Will we find people? The plans and purposes of God for your life are better. How are you living? Believe it. Pastor Chris, I don't really know how I'm living. How to do it? Get in, get in your prayer closet. Learn to pray. Learn, learn to read the Bible. Get a devotional life. Start being hungry for Jesus. Sign up for a tab group. 
be here Thursday night, be here every Sunday, find a way to serve, get involved. Be at the Empowered Conference in three weeks. Get involved in what God is doing. Because God will always attach you to someone else's promise while he's preparing you to be launched in your own. I want to know if there's anybody in here who can believe that God can be more than he thinks he can. And as I close this morning, there's, there's one thing I want to say that, that there's one promise that matters more than the ones we're talking about right now. And that's the promise of eternity with you. That doing great things for the kingdom is amazing. And I want to do it. I want to do all I can. But if I don't know him, it ends up meaning nothing. With every head bowed and every eye closed.